What is endometriosis and what is your story? Kia ora, I'm Rachel Knight and for this week's What and Why I am joined by Laura and Kim. And just before we begin, I would like to disclose that we are not medical professionals and if you have any questions or concerns, please contact your local medical professional. So Laura, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi guys, I'm Laura. Um, I was diagnosed with endometriosis a year ago um, and it's been a pretty big part of my life so I'm pretty passionate about making sure that other people understand what it is and um, what impacts it can have on your life. Thank you Laura and how about you Kim? Hi I'm Kim and yeah I'm the same, been living with endometriosis for a long time and now getting to this point in my life and the process of trying to help other people learn about it and so they can get the support that I never really had. Awesome. So for starters, what is endometriosis? So endometriosis is um, basically endometrial-like tissue that grows outside of your uterus. So um, it basically it's just growths in your pelvis. Sometimes it can be found um, basically anywhere in um, a female's body. Um, and during different parts of your cycle, those tissues kind of grow and bleed and cause a lot of pain and inflammation. And so what are the effects of endometriosis? Uh, it can have a lot of different effects for a lot of different people. I think that's why it's so hard to diagnose because there's just so many different ways of realising. I think the biggest thing that people notice are painful periods and that's where a lot of people's minds go when they think of endometriosis. But um, for me, I think the, my bowel issues were like the biggest part of me working out that this was an issue. So I think it can really affect all different parts of your body um, and you know your muscles get involved and every organ that's around your uterus gets involved and sometimes I've even found endometriosis in lungs and it's had lung collapses for people so it can have a huge impact on the body. Oh wow, so is it curable is my next question. Uh, so there is no cure, um, there is a huge amount of treatments um, and yeah as Kim said endometriosis has a different impact on different people so the, the different treatments don't always work for different people if that makes sense. Of course so now we kind of want to hear a little bit about your stories and your experience so Laura do you want to tell us your story with endometriosis? Yeah so um, I have had painful periods for quite a long time um, Last year I was diagnosed actually kind of by accident because I went in to hospital with a cyst and so they were going to perform surgery um, to remove that cyst and when they found that and when they kind of did the laparoscopy which is the surgery um, they found a lot of endometriosis so that was in March last year um, and they weren't able to remove it at the time so then I had a finally got a follow-up surgery in September where they um, removed endometriosis um, and they did it both by excision and ablation. So there's two different ways that you can remove endometriosis. Um, ablation is kind of the old school um, strategy where they burn the endo, which grows inside you. Um, and the problem with that is that it can leave roots behind essentially. Um, and excision is a little bit more of a difficult technique. You need to be a bit more skilled. Um, and that's when they cut it out. And um, there's also wide excision where they cut quite wide around the growth to make sure that it is removed and it stays away. Um, so I had both of those used, unfortunately, which, which means that um, I've still got some of the endo growths which weren't properly removed with the ablation. Right, that must be really frustrating for you. Yeah, it is frustrating. And I think that that's kind of um, the same story as a lot of people have had. Um, 
and it gets kind of complicated when you dive more into the health system and in New Zealand what um, solutions are available and the skill levels of public surgeons but um, yeah it's it's unfortunate that a lot of people aren't able to have access to the gold standard which is excision. Yeah absolutely and was that like a public health system thing that you know didn't allow you to get that? Yeah so it's again it's quite complicated but um at the time, I thought that I'd be getting excision um, surgery, um, but the yeah the surgeon after my surgery told me that they did use ablation, and that's a little bit to do with the fact that um, a lot of the surgeons in the public health system aren't specialised in endometriosis, um, whereas when you go privately, there are more specialised surgeons that have more skills. All right, yeah, that makes sense, and I guess we'll cover more of that soon. But Kim, what is your story with endometriosis? Uh, So I think, like a lot of people, I started realising that something wasn't quite right as soon as I got my period, and, you know, it was really painful, couldn't really handle it, so I went on to the pill straight away at about 14, which a lot of people were, like, you know, quite against or, you know, a bit of a controversial move, but it made a huge impact that the period problem kind of went away. So from that point, I started noticing, you know, a lot of gastro symptoms and um, different pain that my body was occurring and I couldn't really work out what it was so I kind of had that for a good 10 years and a lot of different specialists you know looking in my bowels like looking at all the different organs but they couldn't really figure out what was wrong and then after finally after 10 years I actually moved to New York and when I was there I ended up in hospital like quite a common occurrence for me um and they wanted to do a bigger deep dive into why I was having these pains and these symptoms that seemed like an infection but not an infection and seemed like something else but wasn't something else and there was nothing visibly wrong on scans and stuff so they over there I think they're a bit more um, thorough and they will send you to different people so I had that happen and then someone mentioned that I might have endometriosis and I was kind of shocked because I'd never heard this word before Um, so after that uh, I ended up getting Um, excision surgery over in the states Um, and that was kind of a bit of an ordeal because similar to Laura I had a um, big cyst rupture so they actually ended up doing emergency surgery Um, but they removed I think 23 areas of endometriosis and my appendix which they often do because a a lot of endometriosis is found in the appendix and they kind of just remove it if you know you don't need it so let's get rid of it in case that's a problem so from there it was a bit of a recovery and that was two years ago um and then from then it's just been like in my head I was like okay this is going to be this is going to be life-changing which it was but it's definitely still a journey to this day of you know having still seeing gastro still seeing um urologists because it affects every organ in your body even if that that endometriosis that was there is removed so there still has the effects every month even if I'm on now I'm on the pill and the marina to you know make sure I don't have cyst ruptures and I'm seeing physio pelvic physio every couple of weeks and you know the process is just so continual throughout life but I think now I understand it more and I understand what my body's doing so it's just I guess day by day is an improvement but yeah it's been a long time like 10 it's I think it's a average of 7 to 10 years that it takes for someone to be diagnosed and it took me 10 so it's sad but it's a very common um, number. This sounds like a really long and painful journey for you. Are you finding the treatments effective that you're getting at the moment or have had in the past? Yes definitely I think it's definitely a combination 
you know, having certain medication to help my nerve pain or having physio to then make sure my nerves and muscles aren't creating more problems. So it's definitely improving and I'm definitely a lot better than I used to be and I've learned a lot more. And the excision surgery was like, I think the biggest thing that changed life and just knowing that's what's wrong was the biggest thing. But yeah, definitely um, working, but not nothing's like absolutely perfect. Yeah, of course. And so I know a few women in my life who have had endometriosis and they've had the surgeries, but then they've had to go back a few years later and have surgery again. Is this quite a common thing? Do you know much about that? Yeah, so it is quite a common thing. And I think that that's kind of at the root of there is still no cure to endometriosis. Um, there's things that suppress symptoms like hormone therapy, the marina, um, the pill and things like that. But removing it, doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to come back and I think with the introduction of excision surgery over ablation there's been more kind of what doctors have seen is that there's more space between surgeries um, but there's not really anything that exists currently that stops it from growing back. Okay and you know we touched on before your different experience in the public health system versus possibly what you'd receive in private health care and you talked about you know the knowledge not being widespread with doctors and specialists of how to treat endometriosis do you have an opinion on why it's not as well spread or as well known as it possibly should be um well i guess there's kind of two folds to that one is that endometriosis historically just wasn't spoken about um, and it being a predominantly people with uteruses experience this rather than males so much, um, that kind of leads to less awareness of the condition and that means less research, um, less education um, in medical school um, and as it's more and more is learnt about it, it's only the doctors that specialise in that area that are going to keep up with all that new research. So I think that that's a... Um, kind of a difference between the public health system where surgeons and doctors don't necessarily have as much time to specialise as in the private health system where you can have one surgeon that only does endometriosis excision and can be the most experienced in that area. And why do you think it's not talked about as much? Like like you said before, it didn't used to get talked about. And I know it's getting talked about a lot more nowadays as more and more women are coming forward. But in your opinions, why do you think it's so unknown it's such a foreign thing yeah I mean I think that that's can I ask can you ask yeah yeah, yeah absolutely I can't remember exactly what I said but I'll yeah. say something like it so as you talked about sorry so as you talked about in the public health system, it's not as well known, it's not as well researched, it's not as well talked about. And I know socially with people as well, people don't really talk about endometriosis. And do you have an opinion as to why we don't know much about it and why it isn't publicly talked about? I think people often think about endometriosis as just a painful period um, and people don't like talking about periods. And I think that that's, it's not just because it's what a female goes through. People don't like talking about bowel cancer and anything that can be considered private um, but I think pe- what people don't understand is that endometriosis isn't just painful periods you heard what Kim said about how it impacts everything your whole body um, it's not just a painful period and I think when people start to understand that a bit more they're more willing to hear about it and learn about it and I also think the you know historically women have been seen to be hysteric 
and when they've had painful periods you know it's put down to being hysteric or um, over-exaggerating or, you know, they haven't really been taken seriously with their pain levels. And there's a lot of studies that show it's like, the, you know, obviously there's a pay gap with gender and there's also a pain gap and people don't trust, um, obviously generally speaking, a lot of people don't trust the um, pain scale that a female will say that they're in versus a male. And I think, um, you know, being to do with periods and everything, a lot of the... Um, people like even like in my life and a lot of other people's lives like a painful period is just what you have to deal with as a woman and so as soon as you start bringing that up everyone's like oh well mine mine's like that and especially because it is it can be genetic so if for example this is not what happened in my life but if my mother had really painful periods and I had painful periods she'd be like oh that's just normal because that's what I had and then you kind of you know move on with life and just expect that this pain is normal and then you know you talk to your friends and they're like oh yeah that's just normal but I think getting that change of behavior that painful periods isn't normal and it's a condition that affects your whole body that's now when the conversation is twisting and changing but and I think you know now in this generation people are a lot more open a lot more um, telling the truth and wanting to hear about other people's you know lives and open to what they might have to say so I think that's kind of helping of the research and the conversations that are happening now compared to before but yeah it to do with the uterus is just you know people uh, no go zone <laughs> and they yeah. kind of freak out and so hopefully we'll move past that eventually you know 2020 <laughs> and I think we are moving past that I think we are moving to a place where we're starting to actually talk about these things a lot more and something that interested me is that you said sometimes the cause can be genetic do they know what the other possible causes are or is it totally just something you're either born with it or you're not? There are so many different theories. Um, one of them that's now been disproven was um, retrograde menstruation, which is, sounds weird, but it's basically they think, well, they thought that um, when a woman has a period, the, the blood doesn't escape out the right way and it, it, like the blood goes into her abdomen, which then causes endometrial tissue to grow but that's been dismissed now because um, the tissue that endometriosis is isn't actually endometrial tissue it's similar but it's not the same um, so there's that theory which is obviously not um, true um, but then there's other theories like um, too much estrogen causing growths um, I'm not sure if there actually is a confirmed theory yeah, I think a lot of the conversations are about genetics, but it's hard to tell. Like, for example, in my family, I think, you know, it's, I've been told that it could be from my mother's or my father's side, potentially, and my mother doesn't think that she has those symptoms or felt that. But on my father's side, you know, I think that his mother might have had problems, but back in their era, that just wasn't researched and would never have been known. So I think as we get on and it's becoming more common knowledge they might realize the genetic potential that it has and yes I would say that if it is genetic you've had it from birth and a lot of people do find like looking back they've had different kind of symptoms that could that sound like it is all connected but until you you know mature and reach the age of having a period that's when it really kicks in um but yeah it's re it's a real hard one there's no concrete answer of why it happens and I kind of wish there was <laughs> it's actually really interesting though because they have found endometrial tissue uh, not endometrial tissue endometriosis tissue in fetuses so like it does actually start from when you're born in a lot of people wow yeah but I think you you know you can't 
um, make it happen or not make it happen is the key, right? Like, you know, from birth, I, I don't know, you might have eaten too much of this. Like, that's not true. You have absolutely no influence on what your body's got when you've been birthed. <laughs> yeah, of course. And so what are your hopes for future research and development in the cause and the treatment of endometriosis? I'd love to know, like, yeah, what the cause is and if if there's any way that you can have an impact over the growth of endo tissue because if there is, then I'm going to start doing that. You know, like I think just knowing more about the illness in general would be so helpful. Um, but I guess the end goal is I'd love to have a cure because one in ten women have endo and that's so much pain and suffering out there. It makes sense that we'd want to push everything and do everything we can to find a cure but I'm not sure if that's really happening at the moment. Yeah and especially because right now it's really just trial and error like there's no handbook to be like right you've got this disease therefore you can't eat these things you should be doing this physio you shouldn't do this kind of exercise you know there's nothing it's different for every single person so I think once they get further down the research train hopefully they can find out that yes this definitely helps and this definitely doesn't obviously everyone's different and everyone's bodies are different but it's hard because there's so much misinformation out there purely because there isn't the right answers so people are just coming up with it or trialing error and being like oh no you should be doing this or you know and people take that on board and I think it's really disheartening when you try and try and try again to help yourself but actually nothing's helping so hopefully you know once doctors do start talking about it and the research starts coming I think the medical school is where it's going to have to start because I saw an article the other day about how um, for a very long time most of the cadavers used in the medical profession have all been male so finding these diseases that are for females you know that's where the research needs to start and that's when they'll find out more information and that new wave of doctors will come through and they would have had more than a small amount of time in medical medical school talking about it and then you know you just need someone super passionate and there are people out there to really hone in on it just like they're trying to find cures for every other problem in the world it'd be nice if we get to this one yeah and is it looking promising you know is it looking like we're heading in a good direction with it or have we still got a long way to go we've definitely still got a long way to go I think it's improving but I've seen data on comparing the number of people in the world that experience an illness versus the dollars per the person in terms of research that there is. And I think things like diabetes had like maybe $500 per person going into research. And I think endometriosis was like 50 cents. I'm not sure the exact numbers, but it was absolutely crazy. Um, and there just needs to be more and more awareness of it and less stigma around having a period for people to actually be able to invest in research and make good progress I think that we've still got a long way to go yeah just even having a conversation about it and like to be able to go to a hospital in excruciating pain and the doctor have absolutely no idea that endometriosis exists and or is causing what you have or they don't believe that you have it you know that's going to be a massive change of what is talked about and said even just in the hospitals and stuff so until all that happens I think yeah we've got a long way to go but you know who knows things rapidly change so fingers are crossed. <laughs> I think that's a good point I think you can talk to anyone with endometriosis and all of them will have at least 
five stories of how they've been dismissed by doctors. Um, people saying, you just need to take some ibuprofen and go home um, when you're sitting there in like excruciating pain. I think everyone's had that experience and we just need to keep on talking about it until that doesn't happen anymore. Even, the, yeah, like educating everyone, that's kind of what we're doing and that's why we're here because like I've educated doctors and, you know, sometimes I'll, I've had some that have told me that I just have extreme anxiety, so put me on antidepressants. And it's like, yes, I have anxiety because people like you don't believe me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, even just, like, the conversations of um, women sticking up for themselves and, you know, pushing for um, answers and things like that are going to help the process fasten. And I think that's why the endometriosis community is so strong because – there's this saying that everyone says that patients have to be their own advocates and you go in as an endometriosis patient and a lot of the time you have to educate the doctor that you're talking to because there just is not enough education in the medical field around it which is horrendous I think I grew up just believing that you go to a doctor they tell you what to do and then you feel better and my experience has not been that with endometriosis so I guess coming towards the end, one of my last questions would be, what would you say to women experiencing endometriosis, think they may have endometriosis or aren't being heard when they share their symptoms with doctors? What what messages would you have for them? You really have to stand up for yourself and be really strong. And that's a really hard thing to do when you're in a lot of pain or you're feeling really vulnerable. Um, but you do, you have to do your research um, find all the information you can about it and if the doctor doesn't listen to you see another doctor and if they don't listen to you see another doctor and you have to really demand treatment um, because if you don't you're just going to get overlooked. Yeah I think staying strong and sticking to your guns is the biggest thing you can do like you're the only person who knows exactly what your body is going through you can feel it like even you might have supportive family you might not have a supportive family but no matter what you're the only one who actually truly knows what you're going through so you just have to keep telling yourself that your pain is real there you don't have to live through it and you know keep advocating for what can I do about it and unfortunately it is you needing to advocate for what can I do about it and I think a lot of people there's so many people around them being like yes no no you're not in pain yes you are in pain so just trying to trying to you know write it down make a list do your research um, talk to people who have it or have had that experience and just keep pushing because it's so common that if you have the symptoms and you think you might have it then you there's probably a high chance you do so it's worth finding out that's a good point about writing it down as well I think make it easy for the doctors to diagnose you write down your symptoms have a pain diary um make sure that you capture everything because when you're sitting there in front of a doctor it's really hard to remember what was my pain like Tuesday last week and what are the symptoms that I have with it if you've got it written down it makes it much easier for everyone and finally where can I get help or find out more information I think um, going on to Endometriosis New Zealand is a really good start. Um, they've got a lot of different resources on there um, and they've got a list of doctors that are all um, aligned with them and that you can you know, go and see if you can. Um, and then obviously the internet's a kind of crazy world but there are a lot of support groups out there um, that have got really good information like, um, what's it called? Nancy's Nook. Yeah, Nancy's Nook is a really good one and I think the best kind of information apart from obviously the absolute medical correct 
pieces of information is also just people's experiences because you can align them next to yours and be like I have x y and z that Laura has so maybe that means that I have this and it and since it's all trial and error it's a really good place to be on a like social media page that you trust of just being like hey I tried this maybe you want to try this obviously they aren't medical professionals but I think having other people's experiences to learn from for me was really useful yeah and I think having support as well is really helpful so finding people that have similar experiences can actually just really help from a psychological perspective to make you feel heard and understood yeah and do you have any anything else you'd like to mention or share before we close no I think just if you don't know about it do some research because there's definitely someone in your life that has it and if someone comes to you and thinks that they're in pain maybe you know just give them an ear help them research it um otherwise just advocate for yourself if you're that person listening yeah exactly Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Cool, thanks.